0: What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC.
1: Hey, this is Larry H. Russell here, featured columnist at CLNS Radio, familiar voice here on Celtics Beat, and of course, author of the now critically acclaimed Fall of the Boston Celtics. Thank you to all those who have downloaded the book, your appreciation only serves as a validation. And to those still interested in claiming your free copy that you are obligated to as a Celtics or an NBA fan, go to www.clnsradio.com slash LHRbook. That's clnsradio.com slash LHRbook. But for now, we know why you're here. To listen to the number one Boston Celtics podcast on the web, Celtics Beat. Brought to you by lynda.com. Now, on with the show. Happy Easter Sunday, everybody. Happy April, spring. It's here in the Northeast, creeping on in, even though the weather may not show it yet. But opening day in baseball is this week. College basketball wraps up tomorrow night. Master Sunday, a week from today. And playoff basketball, we hope we are still clinging to it. Would love to see it so in Boston. Still a lot of time to get things done, just like there's plenty of time for us to get to what we need to get to on this show. 60 minutes of the best Boston Celtics talk anywhere. I'm your host, Larry H. Russell. Gary Tangway of Comcast Sportsnet New England will be our guests coming up shortly. This is Celtics Beat on CLNS Radio, presented to you by lynda.com. And so proud to announce our newest sponsor, Audible. Couldn't be more thrilled about this as I'm a big reader myself. Always unwinding after my workout and even before I go to bed, diving into a book. Checking out David Stockman's behemoth right now, The Great Deformation. Can't say I agree with everything he says, but hey, this is America. We look at all aspects with an open mind and and divulge into as many diverse opinions as we can. And yes, it is available on Audible as an audiobook along with over 180,000 downloadable titles on their website. Tons of books, tons of categories you can choose from and because you are a loyal listener at Celtics Beat, we here at Celtics Beat on CLNS Radio have teamed up with Audible to offer you a great promotion. For those who want to sign up with Audible for the first time, go to audiblepodcast.com/celtics. That's audiblepodcast.com/celtics and your first audiobook is free. And you know as I always like to say, if it's free, it's for me. So check that out again audiblepodcast.com. Celtics And grab your first free audiobook on us here at Celtics Speed, as well as the fine folks over at Audible. And speaking of fine folks, as I said, Gary Tangway, host of the early edition on Comcast Sportsnet New England. He'll be joining us in a few minutes, which means that I get a few minutes to do what I love to do. And that's talk, particularly talk about the Boston Celtics. The show, especially these opening monologues, like they're becoming like therapy sessions as well. And what a difference 24 hours can make, huh? On Saturday morning, you had fans venting frustrations over what looked like. And hey, I'll admit it too. I thought that was a dagger home loss to the Milwaukee Bucks on Friday night. Now, I certainly wasn't frustrated and I was even doing everything I could to sort of qualm the frustrations down that some fans had over that game. But Because I already think that no matter what happens here, this season is a success, and we've been asking that with our guests on our recent shows, and I'll certainly ask that to Gary coming up. So I'm not one to get upset over some of the recent bad home losses this team has suffered, going all the way back to that Pistons game, the Heat game, obviously, about a week ago as well, and obviously the Bucks game on Friday. But after they lost that Bucks on Friday, I'm thinking that's it. The lose Saturday night in Toronto. Brooklyn is playing awesome and has an easier schedule. Miami's got the tiebreaker over the Celtics. Boston's got some tough games the following week. I mean, even their most winnable game on the schedule. In Detroit this Wednesday will not be an easy contest, and I thought the team really looked worn down in that Milwaukee game. And obviously that Detroit game, along with others, that's next week. I'll talk about that a little later on the show. Still need to enjoy the present here because what most recently just happened was last night. Another great win. How fast things can change. Uh, They can certainly change in 2.6 seconds, I guess. Brad Stevens, another great play out of a timeout. Isaiah Thomas, that running start. Oh, my goodness. Talk about speed. Doesn't get the shot off, but it finds its way into Marcus Smart's hands, who had just hit a big three seconds earlier to put the Celts up. One. Puts the game winner up and in, and Boston finishes yet another tough week of games where they had five games and seven nights against either teams in the playoffs or competing for the playoffs. Finished the week at three and two. I said on last week's show, two wins would be the bare minimum if they wanted to stay in the race. They got those two wins. I was hoping that one of the wins would be against Milwaukee, as that loss seemingly took catching them. Certainly, being able to catch the Bucs was now out of the picture, especially with Milwaukee now. They do have the tiebreaker, but yes, three wins, another week, in my opinion, that should be considered a roaring success, especially the bounce-back efforts that were there, be it going back to Monday night when the team traveled down to Charlotte after getting completely outplayed by a more talented Clippers team, quite frankly, in that Sunday evening last week at home. Went down to Charlotte. Picked up a game-changing win in the playoff chase. And then, of course, last night, we were all ready to write the team off. We were all ready to write the eulogy on the season. And yet they found a way, in the end, something they couldn't do as early as a month and a half ago, being able to execute at the end of games, let alone on the road against one of the best teams in the Eastern Conference. And they got a game last night that they had to get last night. I guess they really need them all at this point, but they certainly needed that one and after i'll tell you what week after week it seems like i become ever so more impressed with certain facets of this team and i think this week this week serves as an example of the mental fortitude that this group of Boston Celtics has like i said there were some real tough losses particularly that Milwaukee game cuz like i said that game mentally i thought they looked taxed and physically they looked gas. it really seems as if the reels were coming off kind of a bit here they have been suffering some bad home losses recently And it's been forgivable because, like I've been saying, all these games, they're adding up. Heck, I mean, they're adding up for me, for goodness sake. Lord knows whether they must be adding up for the players. But to come back after what seemed like a death knell home loss and to do what they did last night, once again, a credit to these players, credit to the staff, and quite frankly, just downright admiration. Being able to survive and, I guess, excel after that stomach puncher on Friday. You know what? It's truly hard to put into words how impressive that really is. It truly is. And if you aren't following this Boston Celtics team on a regular day-by-day basis here, it's tough for anyone to see and really understand how imperative something like this could be, especially when we talk about the future of the franchise, when we are talking about instilling this into the culture and into the program that is hopefully going to be here for years to come. So... I mean, I mean geez, I, there was a lot happening this week as well, huh? I mean, we haven't even mentioned Jared Solinger, for goodness sake, who seemingly returned out of nowhere. Huh? Where did that come from? I, I guess that's I think that's something that I like to get in uh, with our guest, Gary Tangway, along with many other general factors that surround the Celtics team. And, of course, now and in the future. And we have Gary here right now, so let's not waste any time bringing him in. Gary is the host of the Arbella Early Edition on Comcast Sportsnet New England, which airs every weeknight at 6.30 p.m. Eastern Time, of course, on Comcast Sportsnet. Gary's been around the block in these parts now for quite some time. And our chat with him is brought to you by lynda.com, the home of Internet Tutorials. To download a free trial, log on to lynda.com slash clns. That's lynda.com slash CLNS. Download a free trial. Gary, welcome to the show, my friend.
0: Larry, thanks for having me. I appreciate it.
1: You know, I think we, obviously we got to start with Jared Sullinger. There's been a lot going on here, be it obviously that he came back the other night against the Milwaukee Bucks, but this has obviously been the big subject, not just in these last few days, gradually returning from his injury, but obviously the quote-unquote weight issues as well. I guess maybe the first way to maybe start on this is I'm sort of curious. Do you think that there's urgency on Solinger's end to play in the sense that the team has done so well without him since he officially went down in February there? Maybe there's urgency from the Celtics in that his trade value is as low as ever? Or do you buy that he's just flat-out healthy and ready to go?
0: Uh, he wants to play because the team's playing better and he feels left out. I get that. Uh, I think that it's going to be very difficult for Jared. You know, as far as like right now, I think it's going to be tough for him to get into game shape and be at 100% for the playoffs. I think that he, after listening to what Danny Ainge has had to say about his weight issue, I don't think Jared's taking it seriously enough. And I understand it's not an easy thing. You know, you have to have discipline. But, I mean, the guy was playing at 300 pounds, so he is going to have to take off weight. Uh, that's something he has to do in the offseason. So I think peer pressure and the fact that these guys are winning. You want to hurry up and get back. Uh, Secondly, I think the has to trade him. Uh, I don't think that he has turned out to be the leader they want him to be. I don't think Danny has confidence in him as far as getting into shape as a player so they can depend on him for the entire season. Uh, Look, they've won without him. And I don't think that Jared is the difference between making them an eighth seed or, say, a fourth seed. And I do know that he really hasn't taken the reins as far as being a leader on this team as they wish he had. So I think he's failed in that area, and he's failed in the area of keeping his weight down. So that's why I think that as soon as they can get a decent offer, they'll trade him.
1: See, there's a lot, obviously, to discuss there. Obviously... I, I know. Obviously, I, I, think that, I think there's almost definitely urgency on both ends here. I do think that the Celtics know that, especially when that article came out, that his value, I don't want to say is next to nil, but I actually posed this question when he was even healthy, that if he could even garner a first-round selection in a trade, when you consider Isaiah Thomas got just the Cleveland Cavaliers draft choice. But in regards to his weight issue, I mentioned this on last week's show. I'm now starting, and no one really in the media has brought this up. And it's sort of a quote-unquote controversial stance to take. However, I'm starting to now believe with Jared Sollinger, with Glenn Davis, with Rasheed Wallace, three players who have all had weight issues in the last five years, with all the injuries that piled up during those Garnett years, every year there there was a key player or two who had injuries. I'm starting to wonder that if there could be a team thing and maybe they're not Putting forth the best nutritional or exercise guidelines for their players. What say you to that?
0: I disagree with that, Larry, because Rasheed Wallace was drinking beer in the shower. You know, I mean, after a game, he's sitting half a beer in the shower. So you know, and he's getting paid millions of dollars. And Rasheed, if he chose to play the game and stay in shape, and 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 play up his ability would be going to the hall of fame i mean he he had that kind of talent we saw that before when he helped the pistons win a championship uh glenn davis they tried with him as well they really tried with big baby i mean you know they you know they didn't want him on repeaters on the road trying to hold up room service all that stuff i don't think it's a team thing um as a person who has always had to watch what he what he has eaten me specifically uh, sometimes it's hard. Some people are stress eaters. Some people are, that makes them feel good for whatever reason. You know, food for some people can be just like alcohol to others. I'm not saying that's the case of those three, but some people just can't step away from it and eat properly. And uh, the thing of it is with Sullinger is he's getting paid a lot of money and he's had success with this body. So he kind of hasn't had to change his ways. So I think it's on the player, not the team. I disagree with you on that one, pal.
1: Well, see, the reason why I took that stance is well, I have one example. Obviously, Ray Allen, when he went to Miami, he had injuries pretty much, I'd say, kind of on and off throughout in Boston. You look at 2010, he had the, he had the knee contusion, 2012, he had right. the issues with the feet. He goes to Miami, he's even older. He mentioned about completely changing his diet around, and he lost about 10 to 12 pounds, and he had two very injury-free seasons down there in Miami. And I came across an article, which was like some sort of promotional article, um, like was, I think it ran last year. I didn't find it until a couple, you know I started searching, and the nutritional guidelines are straight out of Sesame Street. It's uh, you know just nonstop carbohydrates all day. It's pizzas after games, pasta. That's fine. Chocolate milk with your pasta. I mean, I found it to be very concerning, and I went on a big rant last week. And I really don't want it to continue today. But I mean, obviously, if you have a nutritional guideline that's pushing you know to eat you know, the egg white omelets and the raw chicken, or the raw the chicken breasts and the fruit salads and the raw broccoli. I mean, you, you, you're not, you can, you lose weight on it, but it's obviously very stressful and it's really just not really the way to, you know, go about obviously losing weight. And, and I think in Sullinger's case, I think he, from what I read, he's trying, you know, he mentioned like, geez, you know, I'm eating fruit cups and it's like, well, I mean, nothing for nothing, Jared. You should, Fruit cups make people, you know, fat with all the sugar in it. So, I, I, I start. If I had 20 minutes with you, which I don't, I, I, I am convinced I'd be able to, con, you know, convince you that it's a bit of a team thing. But I want to sort of shift now more positively regarding this team because it's. I think it's been a great season thus far. No matter what happens from here on out, I had this discussion with Jackie Mack on the on this uh, a few weeks ago. Adam Himmelsbach, same thing. Talked about it last week. I'm going to ask you point blank. No matter what happens the rest of the year, they don't you know they don't make the playoffs. They fall out, or they make the playoffs and they get swept. Whatever, just, you know, whatever you think the worst case scenario is, is this season already a success?
0: I think it is. I think it would be disappointing if they don't make the playoffs. Uh, it would just making the playoffs is just an accomplishment. You know, it's it's a benchmark. It's a finish line. Uh, But I think with the way that they've played and they've been able to establish a system, they've been able to establish a style of play, and they've all listened to their coach. And they've been able to do that because they got rid of Rondo, they got rid of Green. And it's going to be interesting to see how Jared reacts because sometimes he doesn't like to listen to the coach either. So, uh, yes, I think it has been a success. I think the coaches get everybody buying in, and they like each other, and they're having a ball. Uh, And I hope they make the playoffs because I think they deserve it.
1: Yeah, I really believe that the winning over the past six weeks now, I mean, it seems like they've won like 75% of their games. I mean, I I know that hasn't been the case, but it it just seems that way. Uh, But it's almost serving as like a confirmation of the most likely future success of this franchise now that's like, oh, wow, the Celtics have all these
0: draft choices too. And, you know, but... Well, I think also, Larry, that, you know, everybody, you know, I've had the battles with Calderon Mads, and it's not really a battle, but, you know, they will say, well, you need that star to win. And you do. I mean, you need a LeBron or a Kevin Durant, or now, and I don't think Westbrook is Durant, but I know Durant's hurt. But, you know, you need that, that centerpiece. I don't know who that next centerpiece is. Perhaps it's the fellow brow down in New Orleans. But the Spurs won playing team basketball. Now, I understand that Tim Duncan is a Hall of Famer, and he's technically the centerpiece, but he's not the same player he used to be because he listens to the coach. Everyone else buys in. Now, Tony Parker, to me, is a Hall of Fame player. I think he's fantastic. And Ginobili, when he's healthy, is as well. But they didn't beat Miami because Tony Parker outplayed LeBron. They beat Miami because they played two basketball. And you'd be surprised what you could do in the NBA. If if the Selfish can just get some more talented players and one score, one legit score, and continue to play unselfish basketball like they have with Brad, you'd be surprised how far they can go. Then eventually, if they get the guy and he buys into Brad's system, look out.
1: Well, that's why you have to, in, in a way, be patient. Everyone's just sort of like, oh, jeez. I mean, the Celtics, they don't have a star. It's like, Jesus, easy. They have a zillion first-round draft choices over the next right. four to five years. Th- th- this said star player does not have to be delivered to Boston on a silver platter right now. And I know it's very Boston fan of, you know, I want to win right, right now. Go, you know, go my team. Go Boston. But, I mean, this is a process. But, I want to talk sort of about getting that star. I mean, I was going to – you know, maybe can Boston build a team like Atlanta – and I guess maybe even Golden State, obviously, albeit Steph Curry, although he was picked, I think, what, seventh or eighth in the draft. He wasn't, you know, just the right. stink. And-
0: Basically, you know, Marcus yeah. Smart at six. Yeah. You know, unfortunately, Marcus doesn't have his offensive game, but yes, I understand. But
1: I'm going to ask you, do they unequivocally have to have that star player? And, I mean, if so, where do they get it? Is it going to have to be on the trade market with all the assets
0: that they have in these next two Yeah, games? I mean, that's going to be a I don't know. That's a great question. Free agency seems to be really tough because Boston is not an attractive destination to free agents like Miami or Los Angeles or New York City uh, or Dallas. Um, So that's hard. I know some people want to trade for Derek Cousins. I do not. I think he he is an immense talent, but he is a disaster emotionally. And I just think he would – it's not worth it. It's not worth the risk. I think you have to be more patient because I don't think he has the stability in the head – To, to, to be the guy for this team. Um, so you got to be patient. And you got to be patient, and you have to wait until either he's coming out in the draft or maybe you can make a deal with somebody. Uh, and the problem is, is, that's not on the horizon. You know, there's, I don't know, you know, LeBron in the draft, you know. Um, and, and even then, if you pick some kid who's 19 as New Orleans' father, it takes three or four years before you know if the guy's any good. See,
1: I, I disagree with you totally on Cousins. I think he's absolutely worth the gamble. I mean, I, 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 he's, uh, I think he's a little too yeah. far away. You know, we, see, you know, we see his quote-unquote outbursts. I think he's worth a chance. I think an interesting name, uh, our beat reporter, Jared Weiss, brought this up to me last week when I actually asked him, do you trade for Kevin Durant? Do you sell all your assets? And maybe, you know, roll, the dice, roll the dice with Kevin Durant. You get him for one year, and you try to convince him to sign here. Here's an interesting oh,
0: oh, name. For one, oh, for one year? Yeah.
1: That's the thing. He's Uh-oh. a free agent after next year. Do you roll yeah, the dice yeah. and I, trade I all those that. assets that Danny has yeah. and try to convince him with a year? But here's another name. Uh, Jared Weiss brought this up to me when we were just sort of having fun we went back and forth about a week ago. Uh, I said absolutely no chance. I think the guy's all done. I think he's Anthony Hardaway 2.0. That's Derek Rose, and sure enough, Earlier this week, a Chicago beat reporter came out and said the Bulls are actually might very well look into trading Derrick Rose this summer. Where do you come down on Derrick Rose?
0: Yeah, I'm with you. Wonderful player, um, but damaged goods. Damage goods. I'm with you. I don't do it. You know, it's too risky. You got to be patient. You just don't do it. Yeah, I'm with you on that one. See, uh, you got to, you got to be patient. You know, you can't, you can't, kind of can't jump for the quick fix.
1: Yeah. See, I. Uh, we were talking earlier about diet and everything. I think uh, Derek Rose is sort of the uh, pinpoint guy when you want to talk about diet. He's just been eating Skittles his entire life, and all that garbage food isn't going to heal the body, of course, obviously, like you know, good solid protein will. But I know you're really tight for time, and I really want to get you out of here on this one last question. You know, earlier in the year, you saw fans. It was kind of the same thing as last year. I mean, they they wanted to lose, not not as much as what was it like was last year, but there was a good portion of the fan base. I'd say 50 50. You wanted to see the fans. Ah, you know, let's think. We need a higher draft choice. We need the you know next star player to come to Boston. We're never going to get a free agent to sign here. I think that's changed. I think there's a there's a tiny minority of the fan base now that is not all in on the playoffs. What about the media? Where do you think? the majority of the media stands
0: on this? That's a really good question. I wish I had a clue. I re- you know, I You're really in the media. Know. That's
1: why we got you here.
0: Yeah, but I don't know if I could tell you the majority. I could tell you the talk show hosts, Okay, the radio talk show hosts, will say tank. But the beat guys, I think, will say, go for the playoffs, build slowly, because they're around the team every day and they're tired of coming a losing team. And if you're on the air and you're doing a talk show, it's much more inflammatory to just say tank. I can only tell you how I feel. I feel, you know what, we've had a really good run with championships, especially with the Celtics dating all the way back to 57. If we go another 10 years without a Celtics championship, it's okay. You know what? It's fine. I still love basketball. I would rather have them be competitive, put on a good show, give us a team that we can root for, as opposed to tank like Philadelphia's doing and risk not getting anything at all. That's where I'm at. But, of course, I've also been around for how many championships, you know?
1: Yeah, see, I kind of obviously feel the exact same way as you. Obviously, I think more so differently as a fan. I just think that it's just a far more efficient way of building a team. When I think that now we have seen that there's just as great of an emphasis on ever in building a culture, not just in business environments. Like I read Eric Schmidt's book on on Google, and they talked about you've got to have – a good productive positive environment so that way the people that you have in your organization can grow and get better i think that exactly applies now to basketball and i think that's as as big of a case now than ever was the way the salary structure is set up in that star players aren't going to collude to go to teams like they did in miami five years ago because there are going to be no teams in these next few years well, uh, yeah. have i mean
0: if that was financial yeah, that was a, that was a rare situation i mean Look, star players definitely have a lot of... I didn't mean to catch up, but star players definitely have a lot of pull. But, I mean, that was, you know, the the, the, the plan of the line on that one.
1: But, I mean, that's just sort of how I feel. And, obviously, I agree with you entirely. I want to go back to that point. I Obviously, as someone who watches the team frequently on Comcast Sportsnet New England, uh, all, as much as possible, obviously, uh, you're right. From an, I mean, from an entertainment standpoint, there's really something about watching bad basketball. I mean... You can go to a baseball game, and you can almost always go to a game and have a good time. Crummy basketball, you know, in January, February, watching that, it's literally like pulling teeth. And I think oh, it's, it's awful. It's, it's yeah. horrendous, if more like any other sport. But I think that's a really good way to get you out of there on that, Gary. I appreciate you so much for taking the time. Gary Tangway, ladies and gentlemen, Comcast Sportsnet New England. You can follow Gary on Twitter at Gary underscore Tangway. Gary, thanks so much for joining us.
0: Larry, thanks. Take care.
1: You too. All right, I'll get you out of here. I'll shoot this to you via email. It's too bad. I. All right, another good conversation with our great guest here on Seller's Beat. This time, Gary Tangway, host of the Arbella Early Edition on Comcast Sportsnet New England. There's a lot to talk about. Here's one thing I promise we won't talk about. I feel I got my point across on last week's show where I stand on Jared Solinger being in shape. I think the team shares some blame. Not maybe as much as Jared Solinger does, but I think that there needs to be a little more onus put on the team and I think fans and the media are to normally realize here and because I think that the team's way behind the eight ball there on the guidelines that can be put forth for getting maximum efforts for our players I'm not going there if you want definitely check out last week's show and then of course playoffs no playoffs I feel we've discussed this on the show ad nauseum now almost every week I've Discussed about the benefit of finishing the season as strong as possible and hopefully ending up with a spot in the 2015 NBA postseason. And as I mentioned with Gary, there is now, in my opinion, just a minute portion of the fan base, thankfully, that is begging for this team to lose games. Seems like everyone now is just about all in on seeing if the Boston Celtics can somehow find a way and defy the odds and grab one of those final Eastern Conference playoff spots. But I discussed it with Gary. I actually had an off-air discussion with our beat man down there at the TD Garden every night every for every home game. Does a great job for CLNS Radio and for you, the fans, including me, myself. I love reading him. That's Jared Weiss, known on the Twitterverse as CLNS underscore Jared Weiss. Two S's. And that is, how aggressive should the Boston Celtics be in acquiring a star this summer? I think the three names mentioned with Gary are the three names you are going to be hearing a bit about this summer. And that is DeMarcus Cousins, who may or not be having issues with George Carl in Sacramento, depending on what you want to believe or what you want to hear. And I guess for the purpose of this show and make it interesting, let's just say that he is. And you know what? Hey, let's just say this is a Patrick Waugh, December 1995 in Montreal situation all over again. He hates Sacramento. He doesn't want to play there. He's, he's available. Uh, let's just, just do that for fun. So you got DeMarcus Cousins, one name. Derek Rose, like I said. Jared Weiss, he actually threw that name out there to me last week when we were talking. Sure enough, days later, came out earlier this week. I believe it was the Chicago Sun-Times. Gentleman appeared on a show on the Bleach Report there and mentioned, as a quote, that the Chicago Bulls would love to trade Derrick Rose, end quote. And lastly, I think the most far-fetched, but like I said, I think you'll hear his name a little bit this summer, and that's that Durant guy down there in Oklahoma City. Let's start with unequivocally the easiest question to answer of them all, that's Derrick Rose. No way. You're asking me, no chance. I'm going to throw Mr. Weiss under the bus here a little bit because he was in on him, and me, well, I just, no. One, he's baked. He's fool's gold. He'll never be healthy physically nor mentally. Uh, that's what people are really missing here with him. This is mental now as much it is, as it is physical with him. Look what he said now over the years talking about staying healthy for his kids, not wanting to walk with a limp, wanting to be there for his kids' graduation, yada, 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 yada. He's thinking about his injury and his leg all the time when he's playing. At least that's how I interpret it when I read these quotes from him that come out whenever they do. As a player, you just can't have that in your head, in your mind. That's just so damaging psychologically in terms of being able to get things done on the basketball court. The only two things in your mind when you play sports, when you do anything competitive, should flat out be, I mean, to sum it up, score for your team or find someone to score for your team, help your team score, and do stop the other team from scoring. Period. End of story. That's it. You shouldn't be thinking about your leg or any consequences. Obviously, I don't want to see the guy have you know, be in a wheelchair for the rest of his life, but when you're playing sports, you just have to mentally remove that from the window. That's just not the case with Rose. He has a big block in his head, a big black cloud that's sort of, I guess, falling over him that is going to inhibit him from being an effective player. So you have that. In my opinion, he's totally out of rhythm. We're going on four years now with this guy on the court, off the court, on the court, off the court. I mean, he initially went down in that 2012 season with some various injuries. Then he got hurt in that postseason. That's when he tore his ACL, that first game against the Indiana Pacers. And Tom Thibodeau infamously playing him at garbage time, and then he shredded up his knee. That was 2012, spring of 2012, that strike season. That's a long time ago. And that was what? Barack Obama's first term in office. Uh, Kevin Garnett, Ray Allen, Paul Pierce, Doc Rivers, Rajon Rondo, the whole gang was here. That's, wow, that was a long time ago. So we got the ACL injury in the playoffs, and he's played seemingly Nothing more than a handful of games since then. It, it, it just, at least that's what it seems like. You start missing seasons rather than spending your downtime in the offseason, or downtime even during the season for that matter, trying to improve your game, get better as a player. You're just spending all that time trying to at least just catch up. That's the best case scenario for Derek Rose. He's just trying to catch up to where he was four long years ago. And one can handle that here and there with an injury. But not years on end of rehabbing. It's just too taxing physically and mentally drains your willpower. And yeah, it makes you a worse player because of all that time, you can't make the improvements that you need to make to your game or whatnot. And yeah, he's got that Skittles thing, which I harp on all the time. When you're a pro athlete playing at the highest level, I mean, you're a freaking Porsche, a Lamborghini. So you got to fill up that tank with premium gas, not regular. And if you're munching on Skittles, I mean, that's like putting bull urine in the tank. So, of course, that car ain't going to run, and neither is Derrick Rose. That's it. Party's over there. So I beg, as a fan, I beg as a Celtics fan, absolutely beg this organization, do not waste their time there. I personally would not give up a damn thing for Derrick Rose's services in Boston. Do not want to see him in a Boston Celtics jersey at all. I wouldn't give up a draft pick. I wouldn't give up a piece of the parquet floor. I wouldn't give up a replica Dino Raza jersey. Nothing. He'd be nothing more than a complete waste of my time, of everybody's time. He'd do nothing but damage the morale of his team, of will he play, won't he play. He's just a negative, I think, to even have around. He'd be a black cloud on an organization. And listen, if there was an even a 10% chance that he could regain even a competent form of what he was... I'd say, yeah, what can he lose, roll the dice, if you get him for what you got Isaiah Thomas floor, Go ahead. But there's not even that. It's almost 0% with him, literally, basically 0%. And you couple that with, I hate to get on this again, but a Celtic staff that has not proven they can rescue players and put them in a peak physical condition in the first place, it's just not a mix. I guess maybe he'd work okay in Phoenix. Phoenix does have the track record. They with a, with, a, with a f- an exceptional medical staff, they have a track record of having aging players sort of getting rejuvenated late in their careers. You go to Jermaine O'Neal, didn't work out in Boston, goes down to Phoenix, kind of rehabs himself, is able to squeeze a few more years out of his tank. Grand Hill, and even Steve Nash seemed to rave about that Phoenix Suns medical staff and, or their training staff. Celtics, I mean, I just don't know. I, I really don't. So I think Phoenix, that might be the only place for Rose, but here or any other places... No way. Now the other easy one, albeit I think the other way, I think DeMarcus Cousins. That's a resounding yes in my book. You've heard Gary be sort of lukewarm to that idea. In fact, even shoot it down, I think he's absolutely out of his mind. I think anybody would be absolutely out of their mind. DeMarcus Cousins, I mean, this is the guy out there in Sacramento. This is the same DeMarcus Cousins we're talking about. I mean, some say his emotions are a vice, but can they be made a virtue? I mean, he's not emotional because he's a lazy you-know-what. He's emotional because he's a really competitive kid. I mean, will, will there be issues with him? Yes, of course. But that kind of talent supersedes it all unequivocally, unquestionably. Particularly the premium position that he plays, as dominant as he is offensively, on the boards, in this season... People haven't really acknowledged this. There are a few people, that, especially in the advanced analytics community, who have. Defensively, he's really excelled. I mean, all I hear from Celtics fans is "Oh, rim protecting center, rim protecting center." The Celtics need a rim protector. Cousins is that? He's that with with the offense and with the rebounding. He's he's ch- in Sacramento to go along with his. All-time offensive skills. He's the complete package. He's this generation's Moses Malone, for goodness sake. Moses, as dominant as he was, could never really find a home because, you know, he ruffled feathers wherever he went. But who cares? You got Brad Stevens for that, a guy who may very well be the best coach in the NBA from what we're hearing. Definitely one of the top coaches in the NBA no matter what. So you take your chances there. At least you know he's going to be on the court for you night in and night out, filling up the stat sheet, even if he's grabbing a technical foul or two on the stat sheet. Well, screw it. He's the best big man in the game besides Anthony Davis. He's got a sky-high efficiency rating, dominating defense. What can you lose? He's easier easier to control here for the short term. No-brainer. He's worth a huge portion if you want to trade for him. You throw cousins on this team right now, you're right there in the Eastern Conference. You're right there. I mean, you add another piece or two, you might be the best team in the East. You really are. So you, you, that's that's the no-brainer. You you make that happen if you can. If you are Danny Ainge, if you are the bo- if you are the Boston Celtics, what isn't a no-brainer, in my opinion, is Kevin Durant. He's a free agent after next season. The 2015-16 season will be his last season on his current contract came out earlier this week talking about how much he loves Oklahoma City, how he wants his number retired and wants to play for one team. But if he hypothetically was put on the trade market, or at least Sam Presti down there in Oklahoma City will listen to phone calls, and the sellers could make an offer that is so enticing to them, and they did, after all, trade James Harden, I actually would balk. I'd sleep on it. It doesn't sound so obvious trading for maybe the best quick forward in NBA history, not named LeBron or Bird, the prime of his career, as it is when you do factor in that he is a free agent after next season. You know, do you go all in, and then you got to convince him to stay in just one year? And if Oklahoma City is fearful of losing him after all the years he's spent in that community, MVP, Finals appearance, what would you make? you be convinced that you could keep him in less than 12 months, just a few months of an NBA season for that matter. What's going to make the Boston Celtics keep him from the lore of Los Angeles or, more importantly, a return to his hometown to a stacked Washington Wizards team? That's a gamble. That is a huge gamble. You lose it, and this rebuild now, which if you want to factor in next year as well, which would be about two or three years, so these last two, three years of methodically and diligently accumulating all these poker chips, that goes right down the drain, and you're back at square one. But hey, it, 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 is, it is Kevin Durant. We're, we're talking about gambles here, too. We know Danny Ainge. He's as bold as anybody. And while I think about it, I toss and turn at night. Danny, if you ask me, I think he rolls the dice. Me, I'm not sure. Me, doesn't really matter, right? <laughs> He's the one that matters. So I, he was willing to do it with Chris Paul, and we know how much he loves Kevin Durant, so I throw that out there. And at this point, I ask you, and we're going to make it our Celtics Beat question of the day. You can log on to our Reach app to answer the question. If you haven't downloaded and joined our group already on Reach. check us out on Facebook, facebook.com slash Celtics Beat, or our Twitter at Celtics underscore beat. We'll throw a link up there for you to join our group and for you to answer our question. But it's as simple as this, simple yes or no. Do you trade for Kevin Durant this summer without the guarantee of a contract extension? Again, download Reach. You can get a link on facebook.com slash Celtics Beat or our Twitter at Celtics underscore beat. Answer the question. Throw, Throw at it what you like and feel free to throw us our opinions on our Celtics beat Facebook page as well. I am curious to see what you guys have to say. By the way, I want to throw this out there. How plausible would it be Kevin Love to Oklahoma City for Kevin Durant obviously Cleveland might have to get a little bit more. But think about it from if you're Oklahoma City. The big rumor is that Russell Westbrook wants to reunite with his best friend, Kevin Love. They were roommates out there in Los Angeles. There was actually, I think, a little bit of a triumvirate out there. I think it was Rose, Westbrook, and Love. They were like the three best of friends, but obviously those three can't really play together. But Westbrook and Love, maybe you reunite that there in Oklahoma City because if you're Oklahoma City, Westbrook's a free agent, I believe, in two years. You want to keep him. Maybe uniting him with Kevin Love helps. And then, obviously, if you're Cleveland, I mean, LeBron and Durant, oh, my goodness. <laughs> let's let's put uh, – I don't want to go there. Let's, let's let's go back to our REACH question of the day. I'm really curious to see what you guys have to say on REACH. Definitely download our app. And, yes, do you trade for Kevin Durant this summer without that guarantee of a contract ex- extension? It's a good question because, listen, hey, I all I know is all I hear from Celtics fans, if whenever you whenever they, the, whenever they want to throw the, the cold water onto the season, this very successful season so far, it's – That superstar, the Celtics, they've got to get that superstar. How are the Celtics going to get it? I mean, they tank, high draft pick. They're not going to get a high pick. Blah, 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 blah. blah. No free agent wants to play in Boston. Trade. Who are they going to trade for? There's nobody out there. Well, It's blah, blah, blah. It's like I I always say, guys, patience, please. I preach patience here. For goodness sake, the old saying, Rome wasn't built in the day. History lesson, it actually took a couple hundred years for Rome to be built for the way they were. I know this is not going to take a couple centuries. So, fans, I know they want to know right this second, right now, who's going to be on this team, who's going to be leading this team to the next great era of Celtics basketball championship banners, blah, 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 18, 19, 20. Be patient. Listen, the organization has a gigantic rainy day fund. They just need to pounce when the time is right. You want to talk about time is right? Let's go back to 2006. What if they pulled that deal? that was presumably out there for Allen Iverson in the summer of 2006, which would have been one year before the trades for Garnett and Ray Allen. What if that happened? The Celtics would have sold all their assets and been a 42-win team for like the next three to four years, and it would have been a colossal waste of all of our time, and fans would be still be complaining about the long championship drought since then. Not only a long championship drought, a long era of just bad Celtics basketball and not even being a team that's competing for championships. It wasn't so much that that those Garnett, Ray Allen, and Paul Pierce teams won the championship, they were a contender for five, if you want to throw 2013 and six, I guess, let's say five and a half. They were at the top of the league for the better half of half a decade. If you throw that out, you think fans would be ripped right now if that era didn't exist. And that wouldn't have been the case if they were a little too gung-ho and that Allen Iverson deal happened or a deal... Similar to that happened, but they waited one more year at least. There was one more year. Took more lumps. Fans got to leave it a little more mad as that 2007 season went on. But hey, Garnett, Ray Allen, we all know the rest. So relax. These people that make comments like, "Well, I hope the Celtics aren't spinning their wheels," you know, from, from you know, easy guys, enjoy the process. So they've got a good, entertaining team on the floor right now. They're playing the game the right way and showing how effective their program can be with not even the most talented roster. And they have that endless array of gunpowder for when the time is right to strike. You just gotta wait, make sure that they don't jump on their gun too early. But the cavalry is coming. It's a chess game, and it's an enjoyable one at that. And thank God, it gives us a lot, a, man, a lot, a ton to talk about on Celtics Beat, on CNS Radio now and in the summer. So, I mean, I think this team is fun now. Very interesting to see what, what's happening on the court and off the court. There'll be, whether there'll be fireworks or not, the daily occurrences that's going to be a joy ride in itself uh, in those months of June, July. So stay with us for sure. We'll have a lot to talk about in a few months and a lot to talk about right now, just like we always do. We'll be back on the other side of the break. This is Larry H. Russell back here again, and let me tell you a little something about me. I'm always reading a book, or three, be it a revolutionary breakthrough on neuroscience, such as Daniel Kamen's Thinking Fast and Slow, or even a philosophical masterpiece like Plato's the Republic, I'm always doing whatever means to soak up as much knowledge as I can about the world we live in. And we can't do that without literature. But not everyone finds it convenient to carry around all six volumes of the history of the decline and fall of the Roman Empire with them. But there's a solution. My good friends over at Audible. Audible is a leading provider of audiobooks with over 150,000 downloadable titles across all types of literature. You don't need to be all alone creating that impossible private time with our everyday lives of chaos to do some reading and relaxing. Audiobooks are great to listen to wherever, be it in the gym, doing chores at work or around the house, driving, riding, shopping, whatever. Audiobooks are the remedy for you. And Celtics Beat and Audible are teaming up to offer you your first audiobook for free. Just go to audiblepodcast.com slash Celtics. That's audiblepodcast.com slash Celtics. Welcome back into the show. Got a few moments here before we buzz around the NBA in five. And final time do we do this? Can you believe it? This coming week will be the last full week of Boston Celtics basketball, pending a postseason appearance. Last full week of regular season basketball as the following week. Boston wraps up the season in the middle of the week on a Wednesday in Milwaukee. But this is unbelievable, huh? Time flies by, I guess, when you're having a lot of fun. in this season, since that West Coast trip back at the end of January, when this season really got turned around, Seems like it's only been just a few weeks, I guess so, but it's really only it's been a, a few months. And it does feel just like yesterday when we had Jeff Goodman of ESPN on the show, where the Celtics were in the midst of being out west. Where we pretty much all thought that the season was officially going to be completely buried and the second half of this season would be nothing more than playing out the string. Fans wanting to increase the lottery odds. The same old crap that can seemingly filter its way into losing organizations year after year if one isn't careful about it. But, yeah, that just seems like, just, like it was just a couple minutes ago, 10 minutes ago, where I asked Jeff if Kentucky could go undefeated. He said no, but uh, that's been a long time now, huh? So, yes, that was weeks and weeks ago. The Boston Celtics still clinging to some hope this season, still fighting for a position in the playoffs. And this week, they get a bit of a breather here. Not only the team, but actually all of us really, like I said on earlier shows, it seems almost like baseball. It seems like the sellers are literally playing virtually every night. We're analyzing every single game. But if it's taxing for us, and it's even taxing for me as a fan and as a media member covering this team, God knows what it must be like for the players. I actually had this discussion with Jay King, the great beat reporter for Mass Live during the week. And, I mean, I gave him my best wishes just because I was asking him, how in the world do you do it, Jay, where, and even he and the rest of the members of these beat members covering the Boston Celtics, how do they do it? I mean, I can only imagine the late nights they're having, no sleep, catching these bizarre early morning flights. I mean, oh, my goodness. If I don't get my eight hours of sleep every single night, I'm absolutely livid. So these guys must be running on fumes. So if you run into a beat reporter – on the streets. Salute them and thank them for their service to our country. <laughs> but in all seriousness, let's let's get back to this week. Let's get back to this week for the Celtics. They are off until Wednesday, thank God. And then if they get a chance to avenge that loss that really got things undone here, that loss that exposed some of the warts, exposed some flaws. And in my mind, really started to show that signs of fatigue that I was really anticipating for this team that I thought was eventually going to show up when we were talking about this playoff push as far back as the end of February now. And that was that March 22nd home loss to the Detroit Pistons on that Sunday evening in overtime. I believe it was 105-97 final. Pistons really ran away with it in overtime for the Celtics had some chances, plenty of chances in regulation to finish off that game. They got a chance to avenge that game. Pretty much, the Celtics have to have that. Particularly that they do have one more against Toronto and two more against Cleveland. It is not the best matchup, I know, because of the Pistons' size. And in that, that the Pistons actually have been playing some pretty decent basketball since they beat the Celtics back here in Boston a few weeks ago. It is on the road, and as odd as it is, is. Ex- As successful as this team has been on back-to-backs under Brad Stevens, particularly since the end of January here, it has been an issue for the Boston Celtics historically under Brad Stevens in this last year and a half, two years that he's been here, that the team has struggled with three or more days of rest. I know this is where we need stats. Adam Lowenstein here to tell us what the Boston Celtics record under Brad Stevens is with the three or more days of rest. But off the top of my head, I know the record isn't that good these last few years when they do get that type of rest. So how will the team respond to that? Because they haven't had this type of rest now in a long, long time. How will they react? Could they lose some rhythm after being so used to playing so many games in such a condensed period of time over these last six weeks, really? So I do expect the Celtics, though, on that on this coming Wednesday in Detroit, on national television, on ESPN, to come out with a great effort that night. Because they, I like to think they know that is a desperation game. That that game, they unequivocally, I think they got to have it. Not only where they are in the playoff chase, but obviously with the challenges ahead. And like I said, they've got another with Toronto. They still have two with Cleveland, and then even that Milwaukee game on the final game of the season. That's on a back-to-back on the road against a team that could very well be fighting for playoff positioning themselves. So. I hate to say this season comes down to one game, but I think if the Celtics do drop that one on Wednesday, it is going to be a real uphill climb, as if it has been already to get to the playoffs, if they don't win that one. So we'll see the result. Let's hope they do. I do Like I said, I do expect the Celtics to come out and play with a lot of desperation, but that's still not an easy spot to be in, for the reasons that I mentioned earlier. And this is not going to be easy. None of this will, though, like I said, because they do go to Cleveland in Cleveland on Friday. They have not had much success with the Cavs this year. Obviously, they blew that game back in Boston very early in the season. doesn't even seem like it happened. It was a completely different team. Might as well have been five years ago for all who cared. But obviously... We know what happened the last time the Celtics played Cleveland, the last time they played Cleveland in Cleveland, for that matter. It was probably their worst game of the season. Actually, it was their worst game of the season. They trailed by as much as 40 points. It was real ugly. They were never in the game from the opening tip to the final buzzer. I guess it's safe to say that we can expect a better performance than that, but it's still an elite team with one of the greatest players in the history of the game in their gym in Cleveland. And there's obviously plenty of other talent on that team, too. Kevin Love, Kyrie Irving, a guy who I guess could go for 55 on any given night as he's only had multiple efforts like that this season. So you got Cleveland. And then, of course, obviously, the Cavs are back here in Boston on a Sunday matinee, Master Sunday for that matter. Last time the Celtics played the Cavaliers on Master Sunday. I do not want to talk about that game. I have that game vividly in my mind. It was ugly, to say the very least. It was actually probably the worst game of the uh, big three era even though Garnett did not play in it but let's stop talking about that one I remember it well and I'm sure some of the diehard fans remember it as well but Cleveland is here next Sunday on Masters Sunday in Boston very challenging week as they have been now for the sellers for quite a while but these challenges are good do love the fact they are playing almost a do or die type playoff game this coming Wednesday great experience for this team That's why I am so glass-half-full with this team for the rest of the season, no matter what happens, because in my mind, it's like they cannot lose. It's great that they get these challenges, these relevant games here in March, and now that we're into April as well, this is continuing. It's only going to help with the development of the players. And, hey, if they lose, it only serves as motivation this summer for some of these young guys on the team, knowing that they got a taste of how close they were to the postseason and a taste of this, these, these relevant basketball games, and they'll likely want more of that in coming season. That's so much more productive and so much more motivating and enticing for players rather than dealing with the drudgery of playing out the string in the second half of the season, which just takes its toll on fans, players, coaches, executive, and can really run you the ground. But these types of games... Like I said, very enticing, very motivating. And if they win, yes, right, more positivity, more good experience for this team, more opportunities to play in that great atmosphere in Boston. In the spring, we all love Boston Celtics basketball in the spring these time of months. Atmosphere like no other, particularly on the East Coast. So, like I said, you know what? A few more games. It has been a fun season to the fans. They can't lose from a fan perspective. You just cannot lose. Even for that tiny portion of the fan base that is still out there, that still wants the highest pick as possible or highest lottery odds as possible, if they win, look at it as uh, developing the team. Certain players are increasing their trade value, and if they lose, you guys get what you want. You guys get your higher lottery odds. So you can look at it that way. Just actually, just look at life that way. Don't be so miserable. We get one of these. This is sports. This is a means of entertainment. Being a fan no matter what should be enjoyable, particularly as a Celtics fan. This ownership group, this Celtics team of the last decade, I like to say, has given this current group of fans plenty to root for. And if you're actually lucky enough to be an old-timer, I think you certainly had a pretty good run as a Celtics fan yourself. So plenty of reasons to Look, Feel pretty good about this team. I know I have, particularly on this show. It's been a blast hosting it this season. It's going to be a lot of fun continuing to host it into the summer as well because there's going to be so much to talk about, as I talked about earlier. I love doing it every week. But, unfortunately, we got to get this show done in an hour for you guys, and we are running out of time. So let's do this. Let's go around the NBA in five. This week, third week in a row, actually, where we've led off this segment with this guy. Mentioned it earlier, but Kevin Durant said earlier this week that he wants to stay with the Thunder, stay with one team his entire career, get his number retired at Oklahoma City. I'd say those are pretty strong words because I I still want to believe it when I see it. But he really put himself out there by saying that and putting those words on the line and being that detailed. Because we know if he leaves the Thunder, it will not be for money purposes. It won't be because some team just blew the Thunder out of the water like you can do in baseball and in football. Can't really do that in the NBA. Actually, the Thunder can offer the most money unless they another team works out a sign and trade. But even then, thund- Oklahoma City can still offer the most money. But that was a lot. That was a lot that he said. You know, he didn't give the oh I'm just focused on getting healthy or the LeBron stuff. We'll get to this and when we get there. I mean, he said I thought pretty point blank. Now, a lot can change in this next year and a half. We don't know. As I mentioned earlier, I, I do wonder if there are, is going to be some trade discussions this, this summer. We all know Sam Presti is as bold as anybody not named Danny Ainge, I guess. He did trade James Harden, after all, for a bag of basketballs. So we'll, we'll, this, let's keep an eye on it. But I guess we're going to move on here. We're going to talk about, talk about the MVP race. Mark Jackson, normally we don't really care about what one certain analyst has to say about the MVP race, but considering that Mark Jackson was the coach of the Golden State Warriors for a few years, coach Steph Curry, his MVP choice, James Harden. Interesting. At this point, it looks like Steph may very well be the runaway winner. In my opinion, he is. He's the best player on the best team in the league, and there was even a poll on ESPN.com. It was Nixon in 72-esque. 49 states, the lone state, Oklahoma with Russell Westbrook. But obviously, is there still some bitterness towards that organization with this kind of analysis? Or does Mark Jackson really feel that James Harden is the MVP? Harden certainly has stated in his case in the fact that he has been able to keep the Rockets in the thick of things in the brutal Western Conference without Dwight Howard and with a pretty inferior team talent-wise. But Steph has had such a special year and and the Warriors have had such a special year. They may very well get something like 67 wins, which would be absolutely incredible. And I think they could only become, I want to say, like the sixth or seventh team in NBA history to finish with a point differential in the double digits. Last team to do so, the 2008 Boston Celtics. How can we not forget? I think, though, that the Warriors have had two special of a year as well as Steph Curry has had too good of a year not to give that award to him. I guess if you do sort of go on this quote-unquote most valuable thing where if you just pull hard enough the Rockets, They'll be like a 20-win team, whereas if you took Steph Curry off the off the Warriors, they'd probably be like a 38-win team, if you want to put it that way, but I don't think that's the best way to evaluate most valuable player. Steph Curry is going to win that award. He should win that award, and I do find it very interesting that Mark Jackson did ch- choose James Harden, at least in his mind, and I do wonder how much of it has to do with, obviously, his emotional interests, in obviously with the Golden State Warriors. Want to stick, though, out West, Portland Trailblazers. They wrapped up their division. Kind of feel for them, though, because they are a dark horse. And Sally, especially with that Wes Matthews injury, and now even losing Darrell Wright for what looks like to be the season as well, they will remain a dark horse. Kind of feel for their Portland Trailblazers fans in a way. They are great fans out there. But that's the classic 2nd team, huh? It's almost like they've always been good throughout their history, but they've never been great. They've never been... Championship great. They've always had these teams that are on the cusp. I think that this team is no different. They're almost sort of like the Bruins under uh, Harry Sinden, where they're just good enough to bring a die-hard collection of fans into being able to follow their team and root for their team, It'd be just entertaining enough to get their interest, but never bad enough, obviously, not to get their interest, and never good enough to really be make rewarding fans for what it truly is good enough that's obviously with a championship. I think that's sort of the same case here. I guess I do really kind of feel from in a way. Want to wrap this up real quickly with the Los Angeles Lakers tied for most losses in franchise history have a chance to best or worse for that matter their 1958 team when they're out there in Minneapolis. See how the rest of this season plays out. It's by far their worst season since they've been moving to L.A. But, hey, 1958, I may be wrong on this, but I'm pretty sure that terrible season netted them Elgin Baylor, and that put them in the finals, albeit I think it was they had like a 40-42 and 42 record in 1959. Might have to check on that. But they made the finals a year later with Elgin. Obviously, they built up from there. But I may be wrong on that, but maybe it works out for them that way too. And they do get some lottery luck. They do get a guy who can maybe change the fortunes around the franchise. But it's tough to say, although, because I don't have a bright, as bright of an outlook as others do on their franchise. I think that for them, for things that to need to go their way, it's not just the lottery. They need to get Durant in a few years. If they don't get Durant in that free agency, I pretty much think that they wasted their time. But we didn't obviously waste any time on this show. I thought there was another great show. I hope you enjoyed it, because that's going to do it for this week's edition of Celtics Beat. Music for Celtics Beat was provided by Will Rock, Chuck Dietz. B. Boino, Astravex and Steph LeGrateau. Be sure to follow us on social media. Our Twitter handle is Celtics underscore beat and you can like Celtics Beat on CLNS Radio on Facebook to keep up with the show. Facebook.com slash Celtics Beat. Also check us out on Google Plus. Celtics Beat on CLNS. I'd like to thank our guests Gary Tangway of Comcast Sportsnet New England as well as our awesome sponsors Lynda.com as well as our great new sponsor AudiblePodcast.com slash Celtics. Check that out. Grab yourself a free audio book love to thank Linda and Audible for making this all possible. For our staff writer, Eddie Santiago, and myself, the executive producer and host of Celtics Beat, I'm Larry H. Russell. See you this Sunday with another edition of Celtics Beat exclusively on CLNS Radio.